All right, you ready, Freddie? I am, Freddie. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. It's her princess. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be alright. Bow, bow. And if the elevator tries to break you down, punch a higher floor. That's what it says. Punch a higher floor. I never knew that. Did you? Oh yeah, because you're on the elevator. Yeah, I I don't listen to lyrics. I didn't know it was punch a higher floor. What's happening right now? Nothing. What's happening with you? Oh, you didn't start the show. Yeah, I did. You did? Yeah. Oh. Oh, were you, did you think that was a warm-up? Yes, I was stretching and getting my brain ready. No, that was the start of the show. Oh, well, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 318. Was that too long of an intro, you think? No. Okay. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Now always remember the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding, something that you value very highly, don't you, sweetie? <laughs> certainly do why are you laughing i'm just it's laughing is better than crying that's true sometimes sometimes crying is better than laughing also true today it's laughing um on today's show robert bezat yeah how's that for a hook i like it um communal time movies you're gonna explain what that is um i'm gonna tell a story about my beautiful daughter who lost her phone mm-hmm and play psych during dinner. Okay, so you're just reading things. I know. Um, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about character. We're going to talk about... Just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. This is correct. Do you know what that's from? Um, no. Pulp Fiction. Oh, who said it? Um, Harvey Keitel's character, the hmm. wolf. To, who does he say it to? He says it to... Uh, they're at the junkyard. Yeah, and, oh yeah. Um, it's a lady from Saturday Night Live. I know, I know exactly this scene. I could see it when you said it. Yeah. She's like, I am I have character. He's like, just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. She was an interesting placement in that movie because why is she there and why is she okay with what's going on? Yeah, it is interesting. Tarantino, he's he's a mad genius. And there's some truth to that because sometimes we don't know what's really going on with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? We look at them and we think, oh, they have normal lives. The one thing I'd never understood is he says, like he's, the wolf comes in to try to help John Travolta and Sam Jackson get out of this precarious situation and he takes all these precautions but then when he says okay stay tight because I drive really effing fast that's not a good precaution it's not a good idea when you have a dead body in the back of the car well and I think that's kind of the whole gist of Tarantino or anybody who writes about dark things is there is there's all these sides of us and depending on the situation, a certain side comes out. And so we think when the wolf shows up, he's got it together. Like this guy knows what he's doing. And he did in many ways, but the truth is he's still an idiot. Yeah. He was still an idiot because he's like, like, why would you put, why don't you drive under the speed limit and not take another risk? And do you know what the problem also is? What? It's a fictional movie. 
That's true. Sometimes we're trying to we try. You and I both try and like talk through fictional movies as if we're going to really get to know these characters. Common sense. I know. I like common sense. I know. So going back to character, we're going to talk about character. We're going to talk about, uh, like you said, um, a situation with our child and having her own emotional expression. We're going to talk about two quotes that I love um, from Louis Mm C.K. And also, since we're talking about movies, we're going to talk about, as you said, communal family time, movie time. Right. Because we watched some great movies this week, didn't we? Feel the dreams. Todd and I went to the Field of Dreams, so we go to Galena all the time because that's like our, it's a family place and we got married there and stuff. And for those of you who aren't in Illinois, you may not know where that is, but it's just this beautiful place. And we, the Field of Dreams, like the literal Field of Dreams where the movie was um, filmed mm-hmm. is like 30 minutes from Galena. Mm-hmm. So we went there and then watched the movie and it was pretty magical. It was. And, um, and we have a really good listener's question that just came in within the last few days. And it's about um, how do you deal when your children don't want to try anything new? Mm, mm -hmm. So it's really good. Okay. But our first partner is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Sweetie, did you know that chiropractic care also helps um, if you have good back spine stuff? It helps with ADHD, allergies, asthma, car accidents, back, uh, back pain. Did you just say if you have good back spine stuff? Yeah. That's what Dr. Kelly teaches me. Basically, the... The great thing about chiropractic is if you understand that every single nerve, everything runs through your spine. Mm -hmm. And think about where your spine runs, Todd. It's all the way to the back of your skull. Correct. And all the way down to your tailbone, a little past. Everything, all your organs are connected to it. So if you are in alignment... It allows the rest of your body to be in alignment. So if you want to be in alignment, go to chirotree.com and call on our awesome partner, Dr. Kelly, 630-941-8733. Where do you want to start, my darling? Uh, You decide. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you beautifully. Perfect. And yeah, so we're good. Okay. So, oh, and all right, we'll talk about events later on. Let's get into the gist. Um, Let's start with Cameron. Oh, let's start with one of my kids. <laughs> Whoops. No, one of my okay. kids lost her phone. No, she got her phone taken. She got her phone taken. Very different. That's right. Very different. She is at this running camp and somebody accidentally took the wrong bag. Complete accident. Completely innocent accident. And we were going away for the week. Mm-hmm. And it happened the day we were leaving. Mm-hmm. So she was going to be without her phone for a week. Mm-hmm. And it was really a challenge for her. And before we jump into that, this is what I'll say. What I learned from that experience, because it's like there's 200 kids, it's a running camp. Her bag out of like 200 bags was incorrectly taken. So again, it wasn't stolen. It was just some kid picked it up and left his. Bad luck. Bad luck, right? And so that in itself is something to deal with emotionally. The other thing is my older daughter did a really good job of helping her and took responsibility for calling me, saying, here's what we've done. Do you have any other suggestions? Mm -hmm. Um, This is why we're late. Like, they both took really – I felt good about their choices as far as in the moment. And she was holding it together. Um, Now, when she got home – and I mean my my daughter that her phone was taken – she then – could fall apart. She couldn't fall apart in the middle of it happening. Yeah. And at that point, we didn't know. Did it get stolen? Did yeah. it get, you know, we didn't know. And and she just came off of the week before my wallet got mm-hmm. stolen. So unfortunately, there's like a lot of things, a lot of things that, you know, she's now got in her head that that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, and so she had, like any of us would, because this is my question, and I, and I know you're fine with all of her emotional expression, but imagine if your phone was gone, Todd. Yeah. 
And I think, yes, it would suck. Right. And the fact that she didn't do anything wrong, so she felt like she just had really bad luck and she was going away for the week because we went on vacation. And um, I gave her some space to kind of feel bummed feel it out. All. Feel yeah, it all. She was bummed mm-hmm. out. But I also thought that that should have ended earlier than it did. Because you thought it should, right? Right, because mm-hmm. I thought it should have ended. Like, you know, I started internally. This is my own internal dialogue saying, worse things have happened. Right. You didn't have a phone three months ago. Right. Uh, this is not that big of a deal. You can live without your phone. I'm saying this all in my head. And, you know, a few hours went by and I was saying this and I was I wanted to say, listen, deal with it. You know, bad stuff happens. This is not the end of the world. But I didn't. Correct. I correctly bit my tongue mm-hmm. and it and it kept on for another few hours. Mm-hmm. All the while I'm saying to myself, this kid is doesn't know what Am loss. Am I not teaching her right? You know, why does this bother her? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she doesn't really know what loss is. This mm-hmm. is not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But these are the very paternal, listen to me, lecture you about what life is all about stuff. Well, and this conversation is the core of self-aware parenting yes. or conscious parenting is it's not about you. It's you know about loss mm-hmm. because you're 44. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. Yeah. This is an experience of loss for her. Yeah. So we can, as adults, say, you don't even know what you're talking about. So much trauma is going on all over the world. This is no big deal. You shouldn't feel this way. But she's a kid. And I wanted to um, make her feel guilty about feeling, feeling bad, bad about right. this. And I wanted right. to shame her. I, didn't, I never did it, but I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I know about human beings is regardless of what's going on in your life, whether it's happiness or sadness or anger or frustration or joy or whatever, whatever that feeling is, you'll eventually will switch from that. Mm -hmm. You will get bored of feeling that emotion and feel something else. So about midway through our road trip, she finally cracked a smile. Like she didn't smile for like six hours. Yeah, I thought it was, was it in the middle of the road trip? I think it was in the middle of the road trip. And she had a frown the entire time, like, oh, isn't my life bad? And then eventually she got bored of feeling bad. Well, that's one way to think about it. The language that I would use would be that she had a loss. And as you're saying, I'm agreeing with you, she had every right to feel it. there is no time limit for feeling a certain way. And there is a way, the conversations I had with her, because I went up to her room and rubbed her back and we talked about what could have happened or, you know, what may happen and how we're going to handle it. And I kind of heard her out, you know, her feelings about it because she felt, you know, like, why did this happen to me? And, and you know, will I get it back? And this is really hard. And just kind of let her say it all. Yeah. And you would say she got bored of feeling it. Mm -hmm. The way I would say is she processed through it and was able to release it. Right. But there are two different ways of viewing it where we look at kids and we say, oh, now they're bored. But really what she did is she went the whole cycle Mm -hmm. without any input from us. Yeah. Like you said, you said nothing. You were just you just kind of let her do her thing. So she was able to resolve it internally. By herself. Without us telling her how to feel. She did not, my timetable would is feel, my timetable would have been feel bad for an hour and then snap out of it. Which is even in adult world ridiculous. And her timetable was six hours or whatever it was. But the fact that I allowed her to do that or we did, I, I feel like that was the proper way of doing it. Well, 
it's it proper and just healthy. Healthiest and way of approaching. Connected. Yeah. Like if we take away the timetable and get rid of and not get rid of be conscious of our own needs because why do we want her to get through it because we want to see her smile yes and we're tired of feeling the energy of it that's got nothing to do with her that's all about our stuff right and what was so great is when she was able when she finally because i remember that too you know todd it didn't take six hours because she got home at like 10 and we left an hour later it only took like three or four okay well maybe i'm exaggerating the time but when she started laughing Mm -hmm. at the movie Mm -hmm. because we were in the car it was kind of a long car ride i was like it was like a she showed up exactly she was back and then the rest of the week when something would come up around a phone, she had a sense of humor around it. Yes. It was like the pain of it got got recognized and acknowledged and validated. And if I would have gone high and mighty on her within that first hour or moment that this happened, the loss of the cell phone would have lingered. And maybe gotten week. stuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Lingered, stuck, but she would have kept... Uh, she let it go in the car. Right. Because if Todd... Or I. Let it go, <laughs> let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. She let it go in the car. It sweetie. works for everything, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, but if we were to tell her how to feel and say she shouldn't feel bad or whatever, she would have had to hold on to it to prove that the way she feels is important. Mm-hmm. That's what kids do. If we tell them how to feel, not just kids, everybody. Right. If we decide you should not be grieving anymore, I'm done with this, I'm done with your feelings, we're not talking about this anymore, they are not only going to hold on to it tighter, but they're going to they're gonna up it. Yeah. They're going to up the game and say, I am miserable and it had this on it and this on it versus stay out of it. Mm-hmm. And the reason, there's two reasons that parents would have a hard time staying out of it. Number one, because they can't stand to see their child in pain. Yeah. I totally get that. But instead, you can still go to them and soothe them, but just be quiet mm-hmm. or say things, you know, like there was at one point, because she's really good about saying, this will help me, this won't. And I said, is there anything that I can say that will make you feel better? Is there any questions that you have? And she asked, you know, like, how long do you think this will be? Has this ever happened to you? You know, we maintained a conversation without me talking about how she should feel. Right. I think the other reason as parents that we we would want her to get through it fast is we somehow connect our parenting to it. Yeah. Like if she's upset about our a phone, then I'm raising my kid to be materialistic and they don't see what's important in life. And none of that's true. That's just a silly... Um, self uh, a, a created story yeah. around that my child's emotional reaction is connected it's to a my projection parenting. of our own inadequacies. Perfect, much better than what I guess, what right. I said. So yes, it's right. a projection. Are you ready to move on? Sure, because we got a bunch. Okay, cool. Communal time movie. What's that all about? So okay, so I'll put this in here. We are doing a um, a screening of the movie Screenagers. It's a documentary about how to handle technology with our children, how we need to handle it emotionally, and how we can talk to our children about how technology affects them and us. Um, And this is on Monday, September 26th, 7 p.m. York Theater. Go to zenparentingradio.com, click events to get your tickets. I'm saying that because I have liked the Screenager Facebook page. Got it. And in in my newsfeed, I think last week, it said something, there was a little article that they had posted, and it was about communal family movie time. Yeah. 
And I loved the point it made. And it was, you know, kids watch TV shows on their iPads or on their phone or whatever. And, and everybody kind of gets to choose what they watch all the time, yeah, right? We, we never had those choices because there was one TV in the living right. room that we would all choose. Nowadays, everybody has a device. Everybody has the shows that they prefer. And we as parents collectively... I will say, I mean, I do allow them to watch what they want, you know, with certain restrictions. Typically, like if it's, yeah. But having said that, I do completely get triggered when we're in the living room together and four people are all on their own devices at the same time. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, drives me nuts. And sometimes I am one of those people. Correct. Okay. And so we have to be conscious of how we're role modeling it, how we're on work, our computers while watching a show Mm -hmm. or we're watching a show, checking our phone. We can't ask our children to be something that we're not. And 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 if we are going to ask them to do that, then we have to be thoughtful about when they're not doing it to not be so critical of yeah. them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to say in a roundabout way. So here's why this is important. What Todd and I found this week in when we were on vacation in Galena was that every night um, we wanted to watch a movie as a family, old movies, like not old to our generation, but... We wanted to watch Dave. Mm -hmm. We wanted to watch Field of Dreams because we went to Field of Dreams. We also watched Up, which Mm -hmm. isn't that old. And a couple weeks ago, we watched What About Bob? And of course, when we bring these movies up to the girls, the girls are like, no. (laughs) They're like, because they have. (laughs) Girls, how about we watch What About Bob? No. What about Dave? Like any movie we mention, no. they're going to be like, no, because I've never heard of it. A, they've never heard of it. B, if we're picking it, they just assume it's got to be like, because we have had some things fall flat. Wayne's World fell flat. Yes, it did. And there was something else that fell flat. Well, we've had a handful. We've had a handful. But we, what about Bob was huge. It was. They loved it. They and I think we, it. emotional bank account wise, we got yeah. some deposits yes. there where they're like, okay, this is funny. Yeah. But we aren't just doing that to say, hey, watch our movies. Mm-hmm. We're trying to find things that are entertaining that we can watch as a family and all be together on the same thing, talking about what's happening, having a laugh together. Yeah, there's a connection that happens. Correct. And it's funny because before, when Todd and I just had JC and Cameron, before everything was iPad and phone, that was the only option. Right. And we'd you know, get a DVD. Right. We'd get a DVD. And, you know, now the age that everybody is and Skylar's here and she's eight, it it doesn't have to be that way. But I think that we can, as families, value that communal time mm-hmm. and make that communal time. We have to practice it so our kids understand what it feels like. Yeah. We There are times when we just were exhausted or something's going on and we throw in the towel and we say, okay, everybody can be on your own stuff. Yeah. You know, we're not. Yeah, sometimes even... we surrender, saying, "Everybody, go do your go own do thing. your own thing." Especially if it's like it's their time and it's their downtime. I'm not going to be like, "You have to be doing it together." But if it's a Friday night and it's a family night and we went out to dinner or whatever, we're all going to choose a movie. And guess what happens? Everyone gets frustrated. I don't want this. I don't want that. And we kind of create situations of, well, we're going to have to choose from these three, so let's all vote. And someone's always upset because theirs doesn't win, or or sometimes just Todd and I say, "I choose." Yeah. And there's a lot of blah, blah, blah. But once it gets started, you know, and they get invested or they get into it, um, it's like I said before, it's like an emotional bank account deposit, like where then they're like, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought it was Mm going to be. And we also aren't telling them, isn't this great? Isn't this great? And we never say, I told you so. Right. Parents don't say, I told you so to your kids. 
because then they're going to fight back and say, actually, I didn't really like it. Oh, yeah. Nothing worse is when you get, when you acknowledge that your parents were right about something. Absolutely. So instead, just let go. Like that, let them tell you that they liked the movie or maybe that they didn't. You know, it, you're not always going to hit a home run, but it's, there's something very connecting about watching a good movie. And when we're on vacation, Sometimes Todd and I have tried to watch movies like a Pulp Fiction or what was that movie? I was talking about Jake Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler, and like negative, uh, violent movies on vacation just don't seem to fit. Yeah. It doesn't fit the feeling. So we try to, and we wouldn't watch those with the girls. You know, right. For the, Let's be clear. <laughs> that's, be clear. that's just Todd and I when they go to bed. But there's something about being on vacation and that whole communal thing where you choose movies that have a really good message. Yeah. It's yeah. an opportunity for learning. Yes. So moral of the story, give your children less options, come up with a big movie night and just make it happen because I'm a victim of saying, let's choose one of these three. And it's, we fight for 20 minutes and then, you know, just come up with it. This is what we're watching. Mm-hmm. Yes. Within reason. Yeah. Just sometimes it's their choice between that. We give them like the, here's the three options. Right. You try to balance it out. My, I think what I'm trying to say is there's been times where I, try to be so democratic that it doesn't that work. it's just everything everybody gets mad at right. everybody right. and somebody wins so sometimes it's just hey this is or like where do you want to go out to dinner if i say that i'm dead right we're done right instead we're going to chipotle or here are three places this week you choose you choose next, next week, week you she choose. chooses right. there are ways to set it up because i know some people listening will say well, I thought we should give our children choices, and I thought that we shouldn't force them to do things they don't want to do. It's the paradox of parenting. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And think about what a communal family night is about. Yeah. I mean, it's like saying to our kids, oh, you actually don't have to you know, eat dinner. Right. I mean, there are certain things we do as a family, and when we, when we – actually, in the summer calendar, there are certain nights that I've said – this is a movie night. And so yeah, you put they it, already you know You literally it. put it in Google Calendar. Right. So the really the challenge is not that we're having a family movie, movie mm-hmm. night. It's how are we going to choose which one we're going to watch. And usually ends, everybody ends up really happy. So yeah. that's it. Very good. Second partner is John J. Kelly, dentist extraordinaire. He's our good friend. Uh, his website is chicagodentistonline.com. He does many things when it comes to the dental practice, dental implants, TMJ, jaw pain, sleep disorders, child facial development, among other things. So give him a call, Northwest Side of Chicago. If you live in Chicago, he is your dentist, 773-631-6844. Um, all right, next, um, play psych during dinner. What's that all about? Oh, that's just a really quick thing that I can share um, that we wrote down because we didn't want to forget. I don't know, again, a lot of you listening have really little kids, so this may not work quite yet, but there's this TV show called Psych. That is fairly family friendly. I mean, your kids maybe have to be eight, nine, ten, eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for a five year old at all because there's some of the shows that are a little more scary. But um, our oldest two kids have watched it, and Sean, the main guy in Psych, yeah, he is not a psychic. He pretends to be a psychic. But what he can do, what his father trained him to do, because his father was a police officer, he trained him to go into a situation and observe every detail of the situation. Mm. So when he sits down at a table, what they do on the show is they'll like, the camera will zoom towards something so you know that Sean is picking up on all these things, which allows him to pretend he's psychic because he's so aware of the details of a room. So the other 
day we were all at dinner and we were talking about how we were all kind of just lost in our own minds. No one was on We were at Olive Garden. Yes. No one was on their devices, but we were all kind of, we we weren't being mindful at all. So instead of being like, let's be mindful, let's take a breath, which I occasionally do. Some things we do, and then they roll their eyes. Exactly. Is instead I said... Or one of them did. I can't. I don't know if it was me. I don't want to take full responsibility. Yeah, for we'd say close your eyes. You want to say it, or you want me? To? Well, we said let's play sight. Right. And what that means is, go ahead. Close your eyes. There are seven different pictures hanging on the wall in this Olive Garden. Um, how many of them can you name? Like, what is it a picture of? What's happening? What's happening in any of these seven? And. Some one of the kids couldn't do any of them. Right. Another one could do two or three, and it's just it's just an interesting exercise because what it is, it's mindfulness. Exactly. It's being Presence. present. Yeah. Instead of being in monkey brain, like be aware of some of the things that are around you. It's just kind of a fun dinner table game that we made up. And to call it play psych instead yeah. of let's be mindful, which yeah. can sound annoying to your kids, it it then what we were trying to do by playing that is then whenever you go in a room, play psych. Yeah. Like look around. What do you see? Look at the ceiling. Look at the windows. And it's not – and what that does by just – that's called paying attention. Well, it's even like, um, you know, we have lived in our house for 11 or 12 years and simple questions like – how many trees does the neighbor across the street from us have in their yard? Right. Like we have literally walked past our neighbor's house a thousand times. Right. I'm not even sure right. how many trees. So it's just another, like you think it's just when it's kind of like uh, Mr. Keating, just when you think you know something, look at it from a slightly different perspective, stand on the desk in Dead Poets oh, Society, Dead Poet Society yeah. and see things differently. Like, how many trees does your neighbor across the street have in their yard? And wake up to the moment you're in mm-hmm. because we will be – someone watching us, observing us would say, well, they're staring across the street at the neighbor's yard, but we're not. Yeah. We're in our head. Yeah. And so if you actually notice the trees, in that moment you are present. Right. So if you're like, I wish I could be more present, practice it. Like yeah. actually become present and, you know, play psych. And if you guys don't watch psych – for you parents, you will love it because there's all sorts of 80s references, references yeah. and it's very funny and you can find it on Netflix, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but my sister used to love it. My niece used to love it. So when JC was old enough, she started watching it and blah, blah, blah. Skyler hasn't seen it yet, but it's a um, it's a great, once your kids are in It's like a good in-between show. It is. It's a good in-between yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, who's Robert Bezet, sweetie? So yesterday in the um, Chicago Tribune. There was an article written by Rex Hupke, um, and he does a column. And his the whole article was about this guy named Robert Bezat, who wrote a book called Character-Based Management. And Rex Hupke was saying, every company needs a Robert Bezat. And why do we all need him? Because his focus is character. His focus is, it's very simple to do well in business. Just be a good person with with good intention. Mm-hmm. And it's so what Rex Hupke was trying to say was, it seems so simple, but why do we as human beings have such a hard time making choices based in moral character? Why are we always trying to outdo someone or lie to someone be clever or trick clever be tricky um jump over something not look at something shortcuts 
And when we know that what we value the most in our hearts Mm -hmm. is that sense of character because people who have that character, you depend on them, you trust them, you know they're not perfect people. Yeah. But you know that who they are, they'll show up as they are. And if they say something, you know you can believe it. And so let me just read um, a few things that Rex wrote about this guy Robert Beats at. And he's just the cutest guy. Mm -hmm. I think he's in his 70s. Um, He's just this lovely guy who came from a family of 10. And he just explains how he and his family, the whole thing in their family was let's learn how to get along and care for each other so we can go out in the world and get along and care for each other. Doesn't that seem simple, everybody? So Rex says, it's all simple in a sense, but it's not the sort of thing we hear often enough. If we did and we took it seriously, our working world would be considerably more pleasant. And the, you know, I'm skipping ahead here. He Rex continues, Robert builds his book around a wonderful quote that a French engineer who developed a general theory of business administration actually said. The quote is, in making decisions, the moral character of the decision maker determines the quality of the decisions. The moral character of the decision maker determines the quality of the decisions. And what that means to me, I'm processing this through my own body, is it's like what we talk about on this show that you've got to be focused on your intention. And if your intention is clear and grounded in self-awareness, kindness, goodness, and a desire for things to be peaceful or calm, then that will that intention will lead to the outcome right. of your decision. If you're like thinking in your head, well, I want things to be peaceful. And, you know, and I think they should be peaceful and I wish everyone would get along, but your intention is really just to win or to show everybody that you're right or to be the one that everybody looks at. Then when you put that out in the world, it's not going to get the, you're not going to get the outcome you're looking for because your intention wasn't good. If you're already lying, then why do you think that your needs are going to get met in a good way? Mm -hmm. And then those same people are the ones that get jaded and say, oh, the world sucks and I never get any breaks. And And I'm like, but you, that's the thing is everybody, the world in everything, in, in your parenting, in your work, in your relationship with people you love, it's not about them. It's about how you're showing up. There are times when you have to deal with other people coming after you, meaning I'm not saying it's not really happening and that, you know, other people's negativity isn't affecting you. That's not what I'm saying. But don't focus on how you're going to change other people. Just do you. How is your moral character today? Do you feel good about the choices that you're making? Are you making people feel good? Are you giving kindness to the world? Or are you trying to beat other people? Are you are you demonstrating what it looks like to be, to have a value system, or are you just trying to keep up? It's kind of like the Lady Gaga quote from last week or two weeks ago. And she's like, you know, when I go to bed, I look in the mirror and say, yes. that's the person I can go to bed with. Yes. And it's not easy. I The reason this really struck me is in the last couple of days, I've been really struggling with some situations with people where... I can't believe the things they ask of me or the way or the lack of self-awareness and they're not perfect and neither am I but 
sometimes when you're trying to be self-aware and be responsible and be conscious and do all this, and sometimes the people that you're that you're talking with are not, you're like, am I spinning my wheels? Right. Like, is this really going to make a difference? And I just need to say those things out loud to Todd sometimes like, God, sometimes when you're trying to do, you're do, I'm, you know, you do all this legwork to be responsible and you're like, but I don't see it in enough places. Right. Is this really making an impact? And what I always come back to is it's not about other people. It's about who I go to bed with at night. And mm-hmm. I don't mean Todd. Right. I mean me. Can I look in the mirror and say, I can live with you? Yeah. Because if I can't, that's what needs to change. Not everybody else, but that. Yeah. And that's that's the that's exactly what Robert Bezat is trying to say is that's what offices need. And it's and this is extends his other um, book is called Love and Kindness, and it has nothing to do with work. It's all about love, love and, and kindness. kindness. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share that because Rex Hupke wrote this article, and I read it in a moment that I really needed to remember, or not remember, I already knew it. I needed to be reminded that this is... Who's Rex, Rex Hupke? He's a writer for the Tribune. For the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. Can we uh, link that uh, article sure. to our show notes? Absolutely. All right, we'll do that. Um so I want to do this listener's question because I thought it was a really good one. Okay. Um, I don't want to name her name just because I don't know if she wanted me to. She says, hi, I'm a newer listener and I just listened to the episode, listen, allow, support, repeat. I really enjoyed the podcast. That's one of my favorites, by well, the way. And she probably got the, when we were in Parents Magazine a couple months ago, that's the one they recommended. Got it. Mm-hmm. My question is, what happens when you have children who don't want to try anything new? My kids currently going into second and fourth grade, never want to try any new activities. We decided to sign them up against their wishes for soccer, basketball, and swimming, and have now seen the same result. Lots of crying, no, I don't want to do it, telling them to try it for a couple of weeks, now they love it. My son has enjoyed three years of soccer and two years of basketball and calls them his favorite sports. Do you have any podcasts in the archives dealing with this topic? So it's an interesting question because... They forced their kids to try something, and they ended up loving it. Mm-hmm. So this, I don't, I'll, I don't want to put words in this woman's mouth, but see, it worked. <laughs> so what do we? What's our Zen parenting response to that? Well, I think that that is a way, and I think there's a lot of people who do that. I hear that all the time. Yeah, and there are parts of it that I totally understand and I'm not saying this is good and this is bad but what I'm saying is it's again that intention what was the very beginning at the very core of yourself what are you worried about with your kids not trying new things Hmm. what do you think that means I'll play the role of this woman okay so what do you think it means that and and can you also see through the fact that not trying new things, you're relating that to extracurricular. Mm-hmm. Are they in life? Yeah. Sometimes talking to a new person, mm-hmm. walking down a new street, trying a scooter, um, watching a new show. Are they really not trying new things or are they not trying the things that you think they should be trying? Yes. I want my kids to be good at sports okay. and to be active okay. and to be healthy in the mm-hmm. way that they're healthy. You know, studies have shown that my kid, that kids who are engaged in sports tend to be, you know, have less problems with whatever, whether it be with childhood obesity or with peer groups or whatever the case is. And 
because my kids aren't trying it, I'm going to make sure they try because I know they're going to love it. Okay. And I don't want to be the parent who has a kid who comes home at three o'clock every day after school. That's yours. That That's my that's old your baggage. pattern. So what I would say to that is I hear all that and you're not wrong for thinking that way because society has put that in your head. Yeah. Now, the thing I want to step back and question is, are there other ways that your child can be active where obesity isn't an issue? And can you recognize how ingrained things like soccer and basketball and how that is basically just a traditional system of keeping our kids busy, mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily the best – it's not necessarily – the really what they came here to do yeah. or, or their actually natural talents. It's just what's laid out for them. Yeah. And and when I'm asking this question to you, Todd or mm-hmm. lady, I'm not saying that I'm right and you're wrong. I'm saying, can you consider that? Right. Consider other possibilities. And, and I will and you put, would say, well, um, yeah, I think I would say, yes, I could. But if I wait for them, then they may never want to do sports. And then my question is, do you know that for sure to be true? No, but I know I can control it if I just force them into it. And that is true. And if you decide to force them into it, that could work out, Mm -hmm. but it could also have repercussions. Yeah, what is the cost? What we're saying to our kids when they don't make a choice that we want them to make on the time frame that we want them to make it, and we make that it for them, then we are telling them that we know how they should be feeling and thinking instead of reminding them that they have an internal dialogue and their own awareness that they need to pay attention to. But if I wait for them to come to me to want to play these sports, it'll be too late. That is a fear. That's not a truth. Right. Now, what I would say if you're like, okay, I've got to balance my anxiety, and can you see it as anxiety? Mm -hmm. That's my question too, is instead of this is the way it should be, can you back up enough from it? to recognize that really it's just my story mm-hmm. because it's not true. I'm not saying it's untrue. I'm saying it's no more true than it is untrue. Just back up from it so it doesn't have the heavy energy around it. Now, when you back up from it, if you're like, okay, Kathy, great, but I still want my kid to just try something new. Maybe it's that I want them to meet new people. We're new to the community. Okay, then Look at the catalog together or write down five different activities, all different ones like art class, basketball, um, you know, archery, whatever. Mm. Just write down five options and let them choose. Right. And she may say, well, but they won't choose. Well, it, obviously, you signed them up for the things that you thought they should be in. Mm-hmm. So they, you got them there. But this is kind of that middle ground yeah. of you are going to do something. And sometimes this is a, um, this is a, a child care issue too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes parents need to get their kid into something because they can't pick them up until five. Right. So sometimes there's just a reality around, I need to have you somewhere safe. Yes. And so it's not always just, I need you to be the best basketball player. Right. So with that in mind, um, what is it that your kid naturally gravitates towards? And also recognize... Yeah, could it be art? Could it be music? Could right. it be sports? Could it be friendships? Ooh, could it be, Yeah, it could be any of those things. And for this listener, God bless her, so thanks for writing in. Um, don't, don't corner them into basketball and soccer. 
give them an option to for it to be art or music or reading books or whatever it is. So that's the idea of trying something new. There is nothing wrong with that. But we have to be able to have enough separation to differentiate between what they we want them to do mm-hmm. versus really trying something new. And also recognizing that for a child on a day-to-day basis, they are always trying something new. Every day you go to school. It's... Every day it's a new thing. Yeah. Kids are exhausted yeah. going to school. Yeah. We think, What oh. if they don't do anything? Like, this is the other thing, because we've talked about this on the show many yeah. times. What if, let's say that that you're at home when they get home from school and it's 3 o'clock. What if that all they did was go to school? Yeah. Would that be okay? Right. A lot of parents would be like, absolutely not. Right. My son's going to do this. My daughter's going to do that. It's These are young people with young brains and still figuring out who they are it, would it be okay if they got up at 7.30, got to school at 8.30, was done at 3 o'clock, and didn't do any organized thing after? Would you be okay with that? I used to think, no, I'm not okay with that because I used to say to you, I'm not going to have any of my kids in the 3 o'clock club. <laughs> and the 3 o'clock club are the kids who used to go home right after school. And right. they wouldn't have to go to football practice or they wouldn't have to go to wrestling practice. They would just go home, eat cereal, and watch TV. That's what you thought. Right. I'm, I'm giving my Your perspective, perspective yes. on how I used to be. Now I know that we try to give our daughters as much space as possible to do whatever they choose and without pushing them into anything. My one daughter's decided to do orchestra in the morning before school and then she does cross country or whatever after school and all of a sudden it's an 11 hour day before before homework and that's with me feeling like we don't push anything on them. So the one thing I want to say is if your kids are meant to do anything, it will find them. Right. You don't need to um fake uh fake them into something. Right, like, you don't need to trick them. You don't need to trick them. You don't need to use, you know, rewards. Yeah, if they're meant to play basketball, it'll find them. Peer pressure will go much further. Like if their kids are all doing, if their friends are all doing something and they're not, that is going to mean more than whatever it is that we choose to do. And the other thing I will say is, but if I don't get my kid into gymnastics when they're six years old, they're going to be high, be behind when they get to be nine because a lot of these kids are in gymnastics at three and four years old if they're behind that's fine be okay with them being behind because if they're meant to do this thing they will they will very quickly catch up and be okay if they get behind in whatever because i think a lot of our fears are you know i don't want them to you know like shafali told the story about how her kids were not allowed to do anything until they're six years old Mm -hmm. her daughter her daughter daughter. Mm -hmm. and when that happened she had to go in the four-year-old class Mm -hmm. and she's like no my daughter's six well these girls who started who are in the sixes have been starting when they were three or four so you're six-year-old think about that but see that story will not help because that is a that sounds like oh I did I was behind right and my point is be okay with them being behind and you know the language that I would use is that what she realized was what Shivali realized in that experience was what's happening here mm-hmm. and these three and four year olds who do dance so early is that what they want yeah and are these the kids that and this is what we learn you know from John O'Sullivan's work with changing the game these are the kids who often 
burn out by the time they're 12 or 13. Yeah. So they don't get the joy of actually playing something or dancing or singing lifelong. They, they feel forced into something and they play it and they do pretty well. And, and you know, the point that I don't want to dance around too much is she's like, but now my kids love it. Mm. Well, that's great. That's yeah. not a bad thing. But could they have eventually loved it on their, you know, on in a different own. way? Or could there be something else that really feeds them? Yeah. And what has happened is we've filled the gap yeah. with something that made us feel good yep. and then we're like see i told you when really for this moment this is good but this and and maybe it'll end up fine but it doesn't mean that forcing our kids is the right thing to do all the because time. to your point there's a cost that comes with that we want our children to trust themselves to come up with their own ideas we don't know anything about lacrosse and then one day our daughter came to us and said i want to do lacrosse i didn't know what lacrosse was she brought it to us and if we had a plan for what she should be doing, that would have never been in the, the realm of thinking. This is what I want to say. It's not about your kids. When you have to be conscious of what's my intention here, what is the fear that I'm having, questioning the fear, and then backing up. Because if you back up emotionally, your kids will will energetically feel less pressure and may feel as if they can choose on their own. Mm -hmm. But what we want to do is keep doing what we're doing, be somewhat hovering, fearful, worried, and then say, okay, now choose something. Mm -hmm. And so we're asking them to do all the work. If we do the work of backing up becoming more clear, self-aware, intentional about the connection we want to have with them, then all the dynamics shift and they may choose something. Yeah. Every day they may choose something, meaning in their in their everyday lives or every year they have something new that they're interested in. Like the question is, what do we really want for our kids? Are we trying to raise Olympic athletes right now? Well, that's the one thing I wanted to mention is that if you are one of those parents that says, my kid is going to be a collegiate scholarship athlete in whatever. Mm -hmm. The one thing we did learn from John O'Sullivan is those kids who get the scholarships and D1 programs are freaks of nature. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you start them when they're four or when they're seven or, or when they're 12. Misty Copeland was 13. When she started. And she's the best ballerina. Right. Exactly my point is there needs to be some genetic DNA that came through your bloodline to get these freaks of nature. You're not going to push your way into getting these kids to be the best because the kids who are the best were given God-given talents mm -hmm. that you cannot cultivate. What John O'Sullivan explained to us is that majority of the time, these collegiate athletes who then eventually become professional or, or almost do, they could have played any sport. Yes. It wasn't just basketball and that they started at two and then yeah. they became great. They just had the natural talent to be an athlete, yeah. period. And that's what happens to a lot of the best athletes. They choose, mm -hmm. you know, the Michael Jordans of the world, the Bo Jacksons of the world. Yeah. Like, I'm so dating myself because I don't, right. <laughs> those, that's my generation. But, you know, they just have that. Yeah. And so with our children, we have to be able to back up enough to recognize that we may like the idea of athletics. We may like the idea of theater. We may like the idea of dance. But who are they? Mm -hmm. Not what do we want them to be, but who are they? That's the job of parenting, is recognizing that our children come in on their own as their own being, and we don't make them somebody. They already are somebody, and we support them in becoming that person. So that applies to education, to athletics, to music. We say we give them an opportunity right. or expose them. Yeah. 
And you, you know, can expose them by buying a soccer ball. Correct. You can expose them by letting them watch an orchestra on TV. Exactly. It's not about signing your kid up and making a three-month commitment and seeing if it's something that they like. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. And the bottom line of what is most important then, because I know that can feel chaotic, like what do I then get grounded in? Relationship and connection with your children. The most important thing is not what you push them to do or what you get them in or what grades you force them to get. It's how do my daughter and my son and I communicate? Do they trust me? Do I see them as full human beings? Do we Are we open? Are we connected? That is what will create – no, they, they're already there. That is what will help them grow into a healthy human being because a successful person – has emotional intelligence, and that is developed through relationship with family and others. Do they know themselves? Can they talk to people? Can they relate and have empathy and compassion? That is what will drive everything in their lives. Right. So sometimes when we're like, and, and what I'll say to this mom is, I understand the pressure she feels because we feel it too. Sure. This is what everybody's telling us to do. Get them in this, do it fast, do this, do this. And sometimes that works out because everybody's on board with it, or we give it a try and it doesn't work out. It's not that it's bad. It's that are we aware of what's happening or are we on autopilot? Right. Um, our third partner is Jeremy Craft at Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. Um, and then I also want to give myself a shout out for my coaching practice. I am formalizing my coaching practice. I got certified uh, through Tony Robbins uh, Coaching Institute, and I'm going to be helping men either in person or on the phone and helping them with their relationship with themselves, their spouse, their children, their money, setting goals uh, for healthy family, work uh, balance, managing stress, things like that. Work-life balance. That's right. Um, I also want to say that I've been writing a book for a while, and I've realized that I want to take it a little slower and be more thoughtful about it. And so I've been releasing some of the writing that I've been doing over the last year. And it's on a blog on my website called Dear Girls. Um, and so if you go to kathycassaniadams.com or to zenparentingradio.com and click on Kathy's page, you can actually subscribe to my blog. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm posting it on Facebook too, so you can see it there. But the whole intention of the blog, it's called Dear Girls, and it's about how I'm talking to my girls about self-awareness and mindfulness in a grounded, down-to-earth way. The language I'm trying to use to explain these two vital concepts of you know, how to be in the world as a self-aware person and a mindful person, but not do it in an esoteric way. Right. Like kids can't tolerate the jargon because they're like, what are you talking about? Right. So that's what I'm trying to write about. So if you want to follow that blog or subscribe, go to um, zenparentingradio.com, click on Kathy's page, and you'll see how you can subscribe to my blog. And don't forget uh, about putting in your calendar February 24th and 25th, mm -hmm. Zen Gets Real Conference. Big announcement coming next month. Take two. Take two. Uh, um, and then you have some Louis C.K. quotes. Yeah, we'll close with this. They're kind of words of wisdom. They're not mine. They're Louis C.K.'s words of wisdom. And I, I um, for all of you listening, you're obviously interested in self-awareness and mindfulness and kindness and presence and all the things Todd and I talk about. I encourage you to find it in uncommon places. Yeah. I encourage you to listen to songs and hear self-awareness lyrics. I encourage you to watch a show that even may have a dark undertone but find the mindful aspects and 
that's kind of my joy of reading anything is sometimes you can really pick out some great language that explains things. Um, and Louis C.K. is one of, I think he's one of the most self-aware and mindful people I know, Agreed. to be honest. He's a genius. He's, I, and I don't know him, but meaning, you know, a celebrity. And sometimes people think, oh, he's crass or he's this kind of comedian, but he really is wise. And um, two things that he said in this um, article in Rolling Stone, the the um, writer asked him, given your feelings about our culture, how do you avoid despair? And this is his answer. You can't get despair from our culture. You can only get despair from your own crappy life. I've been alive for 48 years, so the things that are crappy about our culture have come and gone a couple of times. When my kids are having a hard time, I say, nothing ever stays the same. Whatever you're going through, it's going to get better. It's also going to get worse, and then it's going to get better again. That's it. Very simple. Get rid of the jargon. Get rid of all the like, you know, peace and blah, blah, blah. That's it. We It comes from inside of us. And we have to recognize everything's fleeting and moving. And, con, and con, can we be fluid? Can we be okay with change? And then the last one is, so, you know, the, the guy asked Louis C.K., so can you see yourself on stage doing stand-up in your 70s and 80s? And this is such a great answer. To make decisions about my 78-year-old self at 48 is a stupid exercise. It's like saying, what am I going to do when I'm a fish in my next life? I don't know. I'm not that guy yet. I mean, I have days now where if I sleep weirdly and my neck hurts the next morning, I'm ready to quit everything. Why does that? Why is that relevant to me? Quit asking your kids what they're going to be when they grow up. Right. They don't know. No. Quit asking them if they're going to play basketball in high school when they're only in fifth grade. They don't know. They're not that person yet. Be with them now. Ask them what they're going to do in this moment. Yeah. Ask them how they feel today. And quit pushing them somewhere where they don't even know who that person is yet. Right. Allow them to be who they are today. Well, and the fact that we ask the question sends a message like you're supposed to know. You're not somebody yet. That's right. what we're saying. Right. What are you, when are you going to be somebody yeah. versus you are already valuable now. Yeah, exactly. And I can't wait to see what you're doing now. Right, sweetie. That was a lot. Yeah. I'm like all worked up. Words of wisdom. Kathy yes. Adams. <laughs> no, Louis, Louis C.K. CK. <laughs> Rolling Stone. All right, guys. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed the last two uh, interviews we've done last two Fridays. we got no interview this Friday, but I'm sure there'll be more coming up. Thanks for listening to Zen Parenting Radio, and happy summer. Yes, have a great week. Adios. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZOO. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. 
This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.